The Church Media Podcast, episode number 79, Changing Your Volunteer Culture with Jared Hogue. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. Show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online now at 1230media.com slash podcast. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, thanks for listening this week. Glad to have you here. I want to start by telling you about a great new movie coming out in April to take your volunteers to. It's a movie called The Case for Christ. You may have heard of the best-selling book by Lee Strobel. Well, Pure Flix has turned Lee's story into a very compelling movie. I saw an advanced screening of the film a few weeks ago. It was a rough cut, uh, and even still, it was one of the most well-produced faith-based films I've seen. Really good movie. Go ahead and plan an event for your volunteers to go to the theater and support this one. April 7th is when it's due out. We'll have an interview with Lee Strobel on the blog on opening day, so be sure to check that out. All right, this week on the show, I welcome back Jared Hogue. Jared served at Church on the Move for several years. If you missed last week's episode where we talked about creating an effective internship program, be sure to check that out. Uh, This week, I talked with Jared about how to change your volunteer culture. If you want a growing, thriving culture of volunteers at your church and on your team, Jared shares some great stuff for you today. That interview is on deck, but first, do you use drama or acting at all in your weekend experiences? Well, my friend James Wassum lays down some tips on the best mics to use for drama. Check this out. And now, your church media resource of the week. Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Howdy, this is James Wassum with Great Church Sound and your church media resource of the week. This week, we're going to talk about microphones for theater and drama. Anytime you run sound for a special production or theatrical event, you need to get creative, especially when it comes to mic placement. You want the mics to be discreet, yet still capture the best sound possible. And often you need to use more microphone channels than you might be used to with a normal worship service. Low profile headset mics can work great for drama production applications that require very clear vocal reproduction. The Countryman E6 is an old standard for this type of application. And there are several other options from Audio-Technica, Sennheiser, DPA, and others. You can also use discrete clip-on lavalier microphones for placement within costumes, props, and even hiding them in headpieces. You'd normally want to use an omnidirectional microphone for this type of application so that you can capture plenty of action around the mic location. And there is a new line of microphones from Point Source Audio called the Embrace. These are a great around-the-ear microphone that is very discreet, and they are also waterproof, making them great for high-moisture environments. Regardless of what mic you choose, make sure you pay attention to the pickup pattern and connector type. 
Then select the color and form factor that works best for your event needs. And remember, plan ahead. You can never be overprepared for live event production. For more free resources for your team, visit 1230media.com slash training. This is an exclusive interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get shareable content and free resources for your team at 1230media.com slash podcast. Here's Carl now. Hey guys, I welcome back Jared Hogue to the podcast. Last week we talked about how to create an effective internship program. Incredible insight. Be sure to catch up if you missed that conversation. Uh, this week I want to shift uh, our convo to talking about Changing your volunteer culture, something I'm big on, something I'm extremely passionate about is how to create a, an effective, a dynamic volunteer culture. So you've had the opportunity, uh, Jared, of leading multiple volunteer teams and creating some thriving volunteer cultures in your time at Church on the Move and other places. So get us started here. Tell me about some of your experience in leading teams and, and uh, how you change the culture within the teams that you've led. Yeah, Carl, thanks so much for having me back. Uh, loved loved our conversation before about the creating a rockin' internship. And, uh, man, I, I share the same passion. I, to me, life, whether you work in a ministry context or not, it's all about people. Whether you're coding websites or uh, you're a chemical engineer, stay-at-home mom, you, you name it, life is all about people. And so in the, in the ministry context and when it comes to volunteers, that's what it's all about. And um, I have had the pleasure when I was the assistant varsity director, we talked about this a little bit, um, which was our young adult ministry in the, in the last episode. Um, I, I oversaw our volunteer team there. I had some, some experience previously with some volunteer teams and then really got to experience it in, in running some rooms. Uh, like I said, our, our South Campus, doing some recruiting out there, building the fifth and sixth grade team out there, and then coming to run the fifth and sixth grade team at the Central Campus taking over elementary, then the central campus, and then the global scale. And uh, I think all in all, our three campuses in the children's ministry had somewhere in the vein of about 865 volunteers. Um, I don't say that to brag on myself. I did not recruit all of them. Um, in fact, the majority of them I did not recruit. Uh, we've, we've had at Church on the Move, we've had a high premium on children and youth ministry for a very long time uh, under our leadership, Pastor Willie George. And, um, you know, I am inherited some really great things. Uh, but one thing that, that uh, we did notice that needed to be fixed is that when we were, when we were very program heavy at the, at, in, in the children's ministry, a lot of our volunteers uh, were just kind of there holding the door, making sure no kids escaped, um, and crowd control. And make no mistake about it, man, we had some amazing volunteers. But for me personally, that's not really something that I want to devote my life to is just showing up and holding a door and making sure and just basically being a disciplinarian. Um, and I don't think most high-capacity people want to devote their lives to that. Uh, we touched on this just a little bit in the last episode, but if you want to attract high-capacity people, you've got to give them a high-capacity role. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the steps that we took is we began to shift and place a high premium on our volunteers. And so every week in our team meeting, we had a statement. There were two things that we would say every week when it came to our volunteers. The first one is volunteers are our gold. 
They are our gold, and so we need to treat them as such. We need to make sure that we are treating our volunteers like they are the most important thing that we do. And then uh, a statement we stole from Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands is, we don't have a job to do, we have a team to build. And so it's not not about how creative we can be, it's not about how uh, funny we can be or entertaining we can be, it's all about people. And so how are we how are we going to leverage people? How are we going to pour in to people? And so I'm sure we'll jump in with some more questions on that, but that was one of the biggest shifts we made every Monday morning in our, our, our team meeting as a staff. Volunteers are our goal. And we'd share stories about volunteers. Who's coming on the team? Who's leaving the team? Why are they leaving the team? Are we are we uh really pushing on that and making sure they know that if they're leaving our team, that's a big deal. We do not want them to leave. Um, and, and, and things like that. I know I'm kind of probably jumping ahead, but uh, those are just a couple little things we did out the gate to start shifting the culture in Kids on the Move. Uh, one thing that that you said last week that I thought, I thought was, was huge when it has to do with interns and then it has to do the same with uh, the same way with volunteers is that they want ownership. They don't just want to come and just, okay, what am I doing? What What do you have for me? They they want they crave structure from you where you can put them to work and and get going toward a goal. Um, you know that that's what I found is that they don't want to. I mean, the, you know, volunteers can come and sit on a couch and wait for you to give them instruction. They would prefer for for to to come in and you have something right there for them. You, the vision is clear, the goals are clear. Um, you know whether they're paid or not, whether they're on staff or not, that they want to serve their church in that way. Would you agree that ownership is a, is a key piece? Oh my gosh, it's huge! It's huge! It's such a big deal. Um, it all goes back to Ephesians four twelve. The Bible says very clearly, very plainly that as uh, people that work at churches, our job is not to do the work of the ministry, but rather to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. So our job is to equip the people to do what they need to do. And so ownership is a huge piece of that. What are we giving them to own? I, I know for me, I, you know, people say haters going to hate. I think, I think to go along with that, leaders are going to lead. If you want to attract leaders, you've got to give them something to lead. And if we're just asking them to stand, show up, stand up, and hold a door, that, that's not that's not going to be attractive to them. And to some degree, I think in the ministry context, sometimes we're apologetic in giving people ownership because, well, we don't want to overwhelm them or they've got busy lives. But the crazy thing is, is just think about yourself. Do you want to work at a place that doesn't allow you to – to express the gift that God has placed inside of you? Do you want to be a part of something that they don't value your ideas, they don't value your input, they don't let you own anything? I would say for probably about 98% of the people out there listening, uh, and for the 2% that, that, that wouldn't fall into this category, it's because they're not actually listening, um, is that you want to have something that you can own, that you can sink your teeth into, that you get to run with. And so if you want to attract high-capacity people, give them ownership. Let them own something and then value their feedback, value their thoughts. Obviously, there's a process you need to put them through and make sure that they're on board with you and that kind of thing. That's absolutely something that needs to be in place. I'm not talking about just giving it away to anybody and everybody. But at the same time, you've got to be willing to give it away. 
One uh, one mantra we have, and it's not probably the most uh, politically correct way of saying this. It's a, it may even be a little bit crass. But uh, one thing we had, one thing we said a lot was simply embrace the suck. Realize that you can give it away, and it goes right along with. I don't know who originally said this, but in leadership of any organization, the the tendency can be to retain everything to yourself because nobody can do it as good as you can. Well, the problem with that is you're the lid on whatever it is that you're doing, and if you're going to hoard everything for yourself, so you've just capped how far your ministry is going to go. You're not going to be able to reach some of the people that you may be called to reach. And so it's super important that you're willing to give it away. And so that the age-old adage is if someone can do it at 85% of, of how you could do it, to give it to them. Yeah, that's so Prince good. Rush, no, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of uh, staff members feel that, that like, uh, or territorial, oh, it won't get yeah. done the the way I need it to get done if if I don't do it. Um, yeah. and, and I so agree with you that you're a lid or I, I just think that we need to be working, constantly working ourselves out of a job. And, and I think that there's a myth that if I work myself out of a job, I won't have a job. So untrue. Yeah. I can always find that, another job and then give that away and give find another one, give that away. And that just maximizes the ministry of my team. It, it maximizes it, not uh, halts it. Um, anyway. But that's, uh, the, that's the crazy thing, though, is, is that the, it is counterintuitive because we think if I give it away, I'm not going to have a job anymore. Really, that's just rooted in selfishness. Yeah. When you look, Jesus came and gave it all away to very yeah. imperfect people. I mean, seriously, do, 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 no, I don't think any of us would be arrogant enough to say, I can, I can do it better than Jesus can. Right. But yet, by our actions, we do it all the time. Jesus was here for three—his ministry started, and in three years, he trained those people up and gave it away to them, and then left. Yeah. Like, he was <laughs> just gone. Completely, yeah. And so— we can't think that we, we need to hoard everything for ourselves. And here's the crazy thing. No good leader above you in their right mind is going to get rid of you if you're replacing yourself, if you're building your job in such a way that other, you're constantly giving it away. All you're doing is increasing your capacity to take on more. And so they're going to give you more because right. the person above you has a ton of responsibility that they can't get to all of it and are looking for someone to give it away to. Chances are there's other people that are hoarding things themselves and it is counterintuitive, but give it away. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the, the, it's that old song that give it away, give it away, give it away. Now, like that needs to yeah. be our mantra when it comes to ministry is just give it away. Let people run with it. And here's the thing, just because someone can't do it just like you would do it, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe they're going to bring something to the table that you don't bring to the table because you have gifts and they have gifts. And chances are those, those gifts are different. They're going to have a different perspective than you're going to have. They are going to do it different than you. And, you know, the other thing that's so funny to me, Carl, is that someone let us suck for a while and gave us an opportunity to mess things up. Right. We need to afford other people that same opportunity to grow. And, and Craig Rochelle says it so beautifully. Great leaders aren't found. They're built. And so if we're not willing to invest in building the, into these people and realize we've got to be in this for the long haul. This isn't a short game. This isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. We're not trying to make you us by next week. In fact, I don't want to make you me, period. 
I want you to be you. I just want to show you the transferable principles that I know that can help you get ahead. And I think what we're hitting on here creates the culture. If, if you're constantly giving leadership to a, a lay volunteer and, and building them up and letting them fly and build, and, and build a team under them, and then you're doing that with somebody else and you're doing that with somebody else, that's creating more teams and creating the culture the, the, you know, in your ministry. Would you agree? You know what I'm saying? That oh. is the culture. That's what you're, you know, that's how you create culture is to uh, build and lead and disciple. Absolutely. 100% agree. I think, I think for a while, too many people, uh, too many people got caught up in that culture was simply throwing a ping pong table in the break room or uh, putting, putting a nice couch in the waiting room or putting some posters up on the wall with a motivational quote. That's not culture. People know that stuff is totally bogus. It's all about what you do and what your actions say. Mm. And so, man, you hit the nail on the head. If that's if you're constantly giving away leadership, you're building a culture where, man, volunteers, the volunteers you want are going to be attracted to that, and you're you're going to see people. One of our our other things was it's the, the beautiful thing is is that Jesus laid all this out so simply for us in the Bible. Is that it's the law of sowing and reaping. You give and you get more. You give and you get more. If you give away leadership, you're going to get more leadership. I mean, it's very, very, very simple process. When you look at these people like Craig Rochelle, Chris, Chris Hodges, uh, Perry Noble, and the team there at uh, New Spring now, all of that has been just years and years of people giving away the work of the ministry to other people. Because none of those churches could be what they are, and not just those churches. There's loads of other amazing churches out there that are not that big, but that are still just amazing at giving away, giving away, giving away. And I can almost guarantee you that the majority of those leaders will tell you it's because we empowered other people. And that's something like Life Church and Craig Rochelle, they're amazing at it. I mean, they give away stuff like you would not believe. That's why they're able to grow like they're able to grow. And it's not just about having big numbers. It's about reaching people. Jesus commanded us, go into the world and make disciples of all men. That's why the local church is the hope of the world. And the more leaders we empower, the more people we can reach, not just to show off on how big our church is or how many salvations we have. It's about reaching people, period. We're starting to preach. (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's get let's get uh back to some real practical steps here okay so what are some areas uh that you targeted uh in looking at your team saying i want to change my uh, my culture here what are some areas that you targeted for change within your team um you know with as far as staff goes one of the big things was simply volunteers are our gold um that's what you have to know this they are the most important thing we do period. So look for ways to give it away. I mean, seriously, we went from all of our creative, most, I should say, most of our creative elements either done by staff or uh, contractors to we now have a volunteer, a creative team that's made up of volunteers. And we have volunteers doing design work and video work um, and different things like that. And it's because we were willing to give it away. Uh, another huge area was with our internship that we talked about on the last episode. Another big area was with our communicators, our singers, and our production teams in, in the kids' ministry. We, uh, when I took over that team, we had, 
I want to say we had between those three teams combined, uh, communicators, singers, and production, we had 25-ish volunteers collectively those three teams. Um, over the course of eight months, because of this mentality of give it away, uh, we're, we were at 147 on those three teams. And it was all just a matter of give it away. Find somebody that can do this. Call out a gift in somebody. Hey, would you be willing to try this? And now we weren't stupid about it. We didn't just open it up to anybody and everybody. We didn't just say, oh, you're a brand-new volunteer. Do you want to do the message next week? We didn't do that. We had systems in place to facilitate all of this. But, but we had very clear steps in line to where people could get plugged in uh, a great example of this is there's a guy who's now on staff on the team who was a volunteer, was showing up. He was leading a small group, and one one Saturday evening after service, I just went up to him, and I was like, hey, would you be interested in hosting a game? That was it. And he looked at me, and he goes, I never want to do a message, but I think I could do that. So don't ask me to ever do a message, but I think I could, I think I could host a game. And so we started him out hosting a game. And, in fact, when it, when it comes to hosting a game, we typically have them start out out in the crowd where they're not even on stage and they're the co-host. So they're just getting comfortable holding the microphone, hearing their voice come through the speakers, that kind of thing. And then over time, he went from co-hosting a game to hosting a game to doing an offering talk to telling a Bible story. And then, lo and behold, a little less than a year after we'd asked him to, start to, to host a game – that guy who said, I'll never do a message, was doing messages wow. on the weekend. But it was all because somebody walked up to him and said, hey, would you be willing to give this a shot? And it was in a very low-risk manner. Um, he wasn't up on stage by himself. And we have systems in place like that for all, all of those contexts. Same thing when it comes to uh, our volunteers in our rooms coming in. You don't even start as a small group leader. You start out as an assistant small group leader. Once you're trained up, you get your own small group. Then you can become an assistant small group coach, then a small group coach. Then you can become an assistant service director, then a service director where you're overseeing as a volunteer your own service in a room on the weekend. And so we had systems in place to create a pipeline to where people can come in. There is area for growth, not for the sake of growth or politics or anything like that, but back to what we were talking about before, the more leaders we can develop, the more it allows us to reach more people. That was the end-all goal, was, was how can we best reach our students? And it takes leaders to do it. And so uh, in changing the culture, that was a big part of it, was give it away through the system, and then we, we had steps for follow-up and feedback in place to help that constant improvement. What are some ways that you focused on pastoring and caring for your volunteers? Man, that's a great question. So we did a few things. Um, one of the things we did was we launched a once-a-month podcast. Um, it's called the Next Gen Podcast, where it's out there for the public to get, but that is not the intention of it at all. The, the objective is not for the it's not for the public. Even if you listen to the tagline, it was to help uh, build leaders to reach the next generation of church on the move. And so we launched a podcast that would release once a month where we were constantly trying to pour into them. And kind of the mindset, I think in the church world, it can be easy to think like, hey, you guys come to us. Let's do an event here at the church. We wanted to take the opposite mindset of how can we go to them? How can we get in their world and not do another event up here? Because we do want to be respectful of their time, we, but we also want to develop high-capacity leaders. 
So the podcast was one thing that we did for that. Another thing we would do is we did a once-a-month service director lunch where all of our service directors and assistant service directors, these are volunteers that run rooms for us on the weekend. We'd bring them in once a month uh, during the week uh, on their lunch hour. We would feed them, and um, we may play a game or something, and then a brief talk there. And then beyond that, we uh, the room pastors were really expected to oversee those service directors, and then that would cascade down from there, where uh, regularly they were ta- our our, our uh, directors and, and room pastors were taking their volunteers out to lunch, to coffee, grab a smoothie. Just hey, how are you? how are you? Just as a person, how are you? Is there anything I can pray for you? Um, that's another thing we would do as a team. We, in our uh, Monday morning meetings, we would pray over our volunteers. We'd take the first five or ten minutes. Any specific things we knew we would pray, but then we also had just a list with their names and four or five scriptures that we would pray over our volunteers. Um, and then really it was expected that you're going to pour into your volunteers. Um, I, the way it was structured at the church is I had five direct reports, and basically all the way down, I did once, I did either once a month or twice a month one-on-ones with my direct reports. And oftentimes, they weren't. There was really no agenda to them. It was more just, "Hey, how are you? What's going on in your life? What struggles are you facing? How can I help? What can I do? Um, how? What's the most difficult thing about working with me?" Um, we wanted to have a, 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 a very much a culture of candor up there. Pastor Greg would say candor with kindness um, to where very open, very honest, because just because I'm the quote-unquote boss doesn't mean I know everything. In fact, I'm very aware I don't know everything. Um, and having other perspectives. So what do you see that's difficult about working with me? How can we improve as a team? Things like that. And then for them to take that and go do that with the people that work with or for them. Um, and so those are a few things that we would do uh, to help with that. And then in addition to that, it was also expected to do, uh, there were really three areas that we focused on throughout the year. Um, we would focus on vision, training, and appreciation. Um, those were our main three things when it came came to volunteers. Um, and so we would also do, there were three events we would do a year for our volunteers. The first one of the year was focused on vision, the second one on training, and the third one on appreciation. Plus we would do just, we I called it systematic appreciation, where um, we had somebody on our team that oversaw volunteers, and she would say, all right, this month what we're going to do, there's a place in Tulsa called Barbie Cookies. And we would get cookies. She would buy two for every service for every room. And then the room pastor would write a handwritten thank you note, just like, hey, I've noticed this about you. And we'd give them the cookie or a coupon to the coffee shop or different things like that um, just to say, hey, we appreciate you. We notice you. It was also expected like, hey, give a phone call, shoot a text, send a handwritten note. Most of the time these days, people's mail consists of junk mail and bills. Getting a handwritten note in blue ink is a big deal for someone to, to see, like to get just an encouraging note. Like people keep that stuff. The notes I get, I hold on to that stuff because every once in a while when you just feel like dirt about yourself, it's nice to pull out a note that someone wrote to you and realize that someone cares. And so that's something we would do. And then we also did this thing um, Rachel was the one that oversaw this, but she she sent out a thing 
where we just ask our volunteers like what their favorite things are. Their favorite Starbucks drink, their favorite candy. There's a uh, fast food joint in Tulsa called Sonic. What's your favorite Sonic drink? And what this enabled us to do was we learned some stuff about them, but then it would allow us that during the week we could take a Starbucks drink to their work and drop it off or some donuts or different things like that just to say, hey, thanks so much, and not stay, not be weird or, or awkward and hovering at their work, but just drop it off and just be like, thank you so much. We love you. And then, like, now their coworkers are seeing this and, like, what children's ministry, what, what church uh, does that? And so it was, again, it was all about casting the vision, making sure they were trained to do what they needed to do, and then making sure that we were appreciating the crap out of them. Yeah. What are some ways that your team celebrated wins together? How did you measure wins and celebrate them? Yeah, so we did some really little things that were, were a lot of fun. Um, every Monday morning meeting that we had, this was my meeting that I led with the team, um, it always started the exact same way. Every single week it started the same way. We would recap the weekend. We would talk about how many kids got saved, if there were any baptisms, um, stories from small groups, celebrations from from uh, from leader or from from volunteers, things that are going on in their lives. We would do stuff like that. That was one way that we would celebrate. And then we we cheered like when when we talked about how many kids gave their lives to Jesus and got baptized and things like that. We applauded that as a team and like really celebrated that because that's what it's about. I mean, that's the goal is to get people from darkness to light. And so we made time for it. Um, and it's all in the mindset of what gets celebrated gets duplicated. Another thing we would do, and this is, this is a silly little thing, but it made a big impact, is whenever somebody did something cool, as a team, we would announce it to the team that, hey, this week Justice went out of his way, was helping a volunteer uh, with whatever. And right then in the meeting, like, Justice, that is awesome, man. Thank you so much for doing that. Everybody, three claps for Justice. And so as a team, we all would clap three times. And, like, that was one little way that we celebrated. And, like, I know it sounds silly, but it's totally free. And, like, it meant something to our team. And so we would try to celebrate often. Any, It's so easy, especially in creating a culture of candor, to be very candid about the negatives, but we've also got to be candid about the positives. And so trying to catch people doing things right and doing good things. And so we would do the same thing with our volunteers. Another thing we would do to draw the team together is every meeting that we did, we'd do a hands-in. We'd all put our hands in, and depending what the meeting was, our main thing that we would break it down to is one step forward on the end. It would be one, two, three, and everybody would yell one step forward while we threw our hands up in the air. The whole objective was how can we create a team? And the cool thing was is we did that as a staff. I began seeing that as I'd walk through in pre-service meeting. The volunteers are now doing this with their teams. They're doing hands-in, and they're doing some kind of chant. When we did our summer camps, we were doing it out there. It was just really cool to see, like, this little thing that costs nothing. And honestly, the first time I brought it up, I felt a little bit silly bringing it up. But it 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 stuck, and it 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 helped change culture and that it felt like we were on a team, you know, football teams do it, basketball teams do it. And so I just thought, Hey, if we want to be a team, let's do this. And like, again, it seemed a little bit silly, but it was really, really cool. And like the handwritten notes and texts and phone calls, I'm not, I wasn't perfect at it at all, 
but I would try my best to, if I notice something, write a little note to one of my team members and drop it off in their office. Um, or if I was able to take them out to lunch or bring them a coffee or things like that just to say, hey, I noticed you do this. And I could very easily just be like, you know what, it's your job to do this. I don't have to recognize this at all. But I, I like getting appreciation, so I assume other people like to be appreciated. And so, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to convey that. I wanted to pass that on and for people to feel wanted and valued on our team. Yeah, that stuff, it matters. It really does matter. Um, okay, so what are some key elements uh, that every volunteer culture must have to thrive, in your opinion? Uh, man, it all starts with you. That's the thing. Is it's, it's every, it's, it's John Maxwell wrote this years ago in one of his thousand leadership books, but everything rises and falls on leadership. And so, and people can sniff out a fake in an instant. So you've got to be behind this. It's not a matter of just trying to plug and play and do something. Like, you've got to find the thing that's you. Like, if the hands-in thing isn't you, don't do that. Like, that's me. Like, I I enjoy that. I, I like that kind of thing. But if that's not you, don't try to do that because you need to be you, but you've still got to find a way. Like, I feel like those three principles that we were talking about, and these aren't native to me, but the vision, training, and appreciation, I would say that's it right there. People get behind the vision. Kerry Newhoff says this, um, and he's, he's not even the originator of this, but focus on the why. The why is your vision. Why are you doing what you're doing? So for us, we adopted Reggie Joyner's philosophy from the book It's Just a Phase, where he talks about 70% of kids, when they turn 18, will walk away from the church and ultimately away from God and the faith. However, being connected to one adult outside of that, uh, other than their parents, connected to one adult other than their parents, cuts that in half. That was our why. Our objective was to get people connected to a small group leader to help push them one step forward. Therefore, that was our vision. We kept that in front of people constantly. Small groups are the most important thing we do. We've got to connect and build relationship with these kids so that when they graduate high school, they're connected to our church. And so that was a big component of it. And then making sure they're, they're equipped and trained with the tools they need to get where we're wanting to go. We can't just cast a vision like that and then provide no training. We try to put our money where our mouth is. That's why we did the podcast. That's why we do the service director lunches and take our leaders out to lunch is that ongoing conversation as well as the conversations on the weekend. Um, in addition to that, man, we sent like 40 people to the Orange Tour this last year in October, and a good chunk of them were volunteers down there. We want to, you to know we want to invest in you to help build you to reach the next generation and then appreciate people. Let them know they're valued. And you may think, like, I'm not naturally a very appreciative, affectionate person. I'm not a very affectionate person. I'm not a huggy person at all. Like, I don't like to be hugged, but you can still show appreciation. Write that note. Send that text. Put a note on your calendar, like encourage two people this week. And when that alarm goes off, stop, send a couple of texts, or make a phone call. It's unreal the difference this kind of thing makes in the lives of your people. So true. Um, okay, as we wrap today, give us some practical steps that we can take this week to start changing our culture. Give us some, some, action, uh, some simple action steps that we can use right away. Yeah, yeah. 
um, man, give responsibility. Give it away. Give people an opportunity to communicate on stage. Give people an opportunity to sing. Still have a tryout process, but put a system in place. And if you want some help with this, you can reach out to me. I would be happy to help you put some of this in place. We have some incredible systems for, for singers, for, for communicators, production, you name it. I'd be happy to help you however I can. Um, but give that ownership away. Pour into your people. I'm telling you, go all in on people. I heard Frank Beeler say one time, if it, if, even if you love to write curriculum, but it's going to come down to you can either write curriculum or you can develop people. Use somebody else's curriculum and go all in on people because it's your leaders that are going to make the difference in the lives of people. No matter how good your curriculum is, if you're not, if you don't have the people and the small group leaders to back it up, I'm just telling you, it's not going to be as successful as you think it would be. Go all in on people, cast that vision, train them, and then appreciate the crap out of them. I'm telling you that it'll blow you yeah. away the results that you're going to see when you do this. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much. We've learned incredible stuff from you last week and, and this week. So uh, thank you so much for hanging out, man. Really appreciate your insight and uh, and the great conversation. Man, Carl, thank you. Thank you for all you do, and thank you for doing this podcast. Uh, leaders that are investing into to other people, man, that's, that's the sign of a true leader right there. So thank you for doing this, and, man, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. How can we keep up with you online? What can we uh, – what can we see from you? How can we follow you? Yeah, sure. On any social media, I'm just Jared A. Hogue, at, at Jared A. Hogue, A-R-E-D-A-H-O-G-U-E. That's tw- I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are the main three. Um, as Bill Belichick says, I'm not really on Snapface or Instachat, so um, <laughs> you can check me out there. Or, man, shoot me an email. You can shoot me an email, jared at creativesheep.org. Again, that's jared at creativesheep.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks, Carl. I've spent my entire career as a journalist uncovering the truth. Until the day my wife presented me with the biggest story of my life. The case for Christ. From that moment on, I set out to prove to her and to the rest of the world that they were wrong. And what happened next changed me forever. The Case for Christ, coming soon to theaters. Tons of free content from every episode of the podcast is on our website. You can visit the show notes page for this episode at 1230media.com forward slash 079 as in episode number 79. On the next Church Media Podcast. Next week on the show, Ben Stapley from Liquid Church drops by. Ben is a blog author on our site and has extensive experience in creating moving and memorable moments. He has produced and created some inventive ways to engage audiences. If you're looking for some cool ideas for elements to add to your weekend experience that will enhance your message and take your audience on an immersive journey, you'll want to check that out next week. I want to thank my hero, David Michael Hyde, for producing our show this week. 
David just came off of scoring a series of teaching videos for us. Uh, and guys, his work is amazing. If you have an audio need of any kind, mixing, scoring, producing, this is the guy to get. Just go to his website at davidmichaelhyde.com and you'll see the man himself. Although he's clean shaven in his headshots. Last time I chatted with him, he was sporting a gnarly beard. So you know he's legit. davidmichaelhyde.com is where you'll find him. Thank you for listening this week. It's a privilege hanging out with you guys each and every week. Go out there and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.